Hello and welcome to Inside EcoDevo, an economic development podcast helping Missourians prosper. On this episode, we're talking about the Office of Missouri Military Advocate. And sitting down with us is Harry Roberts, who is the Missouri Military Advocate. Harry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Eric. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you. We're going to get into a lot of stuff about Missouri Military Advocate, also known as MMA, around the office. But before we do that, if you could just give us a little bit of background on yourself. How did you come to be the Missouri Military Advocate? My public service actually began in 2015. I was elected presiding commissioner in 2014. And one of the activities that I worked on there was actually advocating for the 139th Airlift Wing, which is a C-130 unit up there in St. Joseph, Missouri. So I had a little background in this. Following my term as presiding commissioner, Secretary of State asked me to come down and be his deputy chief of staff. So I served in that role for almost three years. It was the fall of 2021 when the governor's office reached out and asked me if I would be interested in filling this role that was uh, being vacated because of the retirement of, of the first military advocate of Missouri. And after some great thought and debate, I felt like this might be a great opportunity to continue that work that I started several years ago. This is an appointed role by the governor's office confirmed by the Missouri Senate, and it's a six-year appointment. With that work you were doing with the C-130 Air Wing Mm -hmm. and now with Missouri Military Advocate, had you always had history with the military wanting to kind of work in that realm? Well, I grew up actually wanting to serve in the military. However, it didn't come to pass. Like a lot of things in life don't come to pass. But when I served as the presiding commissioner up there, uh, I knew the impact that the 139th Airlift Wing had on not only the county, but the city of St. Joe, actually all of northwest Missouri, because you have almost 1,200 folks that work there, as well as the northeastern part of Kansas. When you think about that, I mean, all of us take our citizenship to different levels. Myself, There isn't a day that I don't wake up and consider myself fortunate to be a citizen of this country and a resident of Missouri. When this opportunity was uh, presented to me, it really wasn't as tough a decision. I think the decision was probably a little bit greater because I had worked for Secretary Ashcroft for almost three years and, and really enjoyed doing that work. I felt blessed to be able to do that. But this is something that I've always been passionate about the military. My father served in in World War II. He actually was in Tokyo Bay and watched from his ship. He had a clear shot to watch the signing of the instrument of surrender. All these freedoms that we have today are because somebody was willing to put their life on the line for us. Though I haven't served, I take it very seriously. And This gives me an opportunity to serve in a manner to help serve them. So let's get into it. The Office of Missouri Military Advocate, what is that? What kind of work happens inside the office? Well, from a 20,000-foot view, our priority is to make sure that we maintain all of our installations, missions, and personnel from a, a military standpoint here in Missouri. It's a very big deal. Then the tentacles continue to to spread out, if you will, and that's dealing with defense contractors. Obviously, the biggest defense contractor in the state of Missouri is going to be Boeing. 
a lot of people are aware of Boeing. Some people may or may not know that Boeing makes uh, a great deal of military aircraft. I think a lot of them think about Boeing when they're going to get on the airplane. It's a Boeing 737, you know, that they're flying on Southwest or United or whatever the case may be. But Boeing has been a huge defense contractor. We are very fortunate to have them here in Missouri. That's the the high-level view. We don't really get involved with the veterans' issues, right? Missouri has a veterans' commission. Now, when people call us and have a veterans' question, we do, I think, an excellent job of getting them referred to the Veterans Commission to help them with whatever their issues are. So mine's more around the mission, the personnel, both active and guard and reserve as well here in Missouri. It's more about maintaining the strength that we have in Missouri versus, like I say, some of the veterans veterans issues. Okay. So kind of give me an example or the listeners an, an example of the kind of work that goes into like maintaining an installation or working with active service members. Like what kind of things are, are being done. And I'm sure some of that is maybe hush hush. You can't really talk about details, but like, give us an idea if you could. So when I talk about maintaining those installations, what I'm talking about is being able to keep those here in Missouri, not actually the maintenance of aircraft and different things like that. It is very competitive out there. There's a number of states that would love to have the missions that we have here in Missouri. So things that aren't secret, right? We have the B-2 mission at Whiteman Air Force Base. It's the only place that we have B-2s in the United States. Now, that will change because it'll be a next-generation stealth bomber coming in. And it's already the plan is already to locate those in, in approximately three states. But, you know, we also have A-10s over at Whiteman. We have at Fort Leonard Wood several missions down there and that's more on the army side but we also have marine installation down there but when you think of military police training fort leonard wood is the premier one in the united states as well as basic training and there's other states that would like to steal that training mission from us so it's very competitive missouri ranks around 11th in defense spending in the united states so we have 50 states we're 11th you know we're on the good side of that Uh, And we want to stay there. So when I talk about maintaining that, I spend a great deal of my time going to Washington and spending time with our congressional delegates. So our House members and our our senators out there. I do spend quite a bit of time at the Pentagon as well. But that's when we talk about maintaining. It's it's to keep them here. That's what I mean by maintain. Okay. So in that regard, would it be accurate to say it's kind of like retaining a business in Missouri. There's like an economic impact with having these installations there because of Boeing and and I'm guessing some other kind of uh, financial incentives and whatnot. There is a huge economic impact in the state of Missouri. If you look at it at a whole, I would say on average, it's over $12 billion a year of federal spending in Missouri that goes into installations, defense contractors. And when you think about that, that's that's a big number. You know, it ends up being over 3% of Missouri's GDP. Of that 12.2 billion, 10 billion is, and it fluctuates between 8 and 10 billion for defense contracts. It's still a few billion from the installations and the personnel. And when you think about the number of personnel, over 42,000 defense personnel, active, National Guard, Reserve, and civilian that 
are connected with defense in Missouri. Yeah, I was going to ask, how does the Office of Military Advocacy tie back to economic development? But that there, what you just said, is the reason why this office is embedded in DED. Absolutely. And there's a lot of other things that go into that. Today, we're only going to scratch the surface. But when you think about military families on the active side, they move a lot, right? So we have folks move here from Virginia, Georgia, Arizona, because this is where they get assigned. And they'll serve here for a couple of years and they move on. Well, there's a lot of things people don't think about. That spouse has to find a new job because today we live in a world that both parents work. If they're not in the military, if the spouse is not in the military and they don't get assigned here as well, they most likely have to find their occupation at the new base. So they have to deal with those things. So one of the things that we've done in Missouri over time, and this happened, even, I mean, before I was here, we opened up, I'm going to say, loosened our licensing requirements to assist with those families that are moving into Missouri so that it's not as hard for them to find work because they, you don't want to get lost in a shuffle of nine, ten months on trying to get a license transferred so that you can go to work and then you leave following that in another 13, 14 months. It's a very bad situation. So Missouri is also working on being more friendly to military personnel. And we'll probably talk a little bit about that later, but ultimately we work on those things too. So I, I deal with the state legislature to try to enhance the experience for those military personnel in, in Missouri. When you think military, you think of all the, the toys that they have, the deployments and all that, but the family and, and those associated, they're working in those communities. They're shopping in those communities. There's a big base, has a lot of people. That's a lot of uh, finances that are going into a community. There, like I say, there's a lot of tentacles to this. We just completed our Missouri Friendly Resource Guide, but it's out there online so that folks that are coming here and folks that are already here can find out more about how to get your car license and where uh, there's parks and recreation. I mean, there's a life outside of working as well, right? Right. So just going to pull it back to the office. I mean, right at the top, you had listed out a, you know, kind of high level view stuff. Is there, whether it's like a bulleted list or, or details you want to give, like the goals of the Office of Military Advocate, what would be those goals or what your task would do? I know you kind of touched upon it, but just kind of getting a little deeper. Into so there. we serve as the liaison between the state and the federal branches of the government. Our overall job, again, is to preserve and expand military installations and missions. We want to improve the quality of life for our service members and their families. We want to enhance the defense industry. So we want to grow that defense industry here in Missouri. And then I'm also the executive director of MPEC, which is the Missouri Military Preparedness and Enhancement Commission. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about MPEC? Sure. So MPEC, once again, is the Missouri Military Preparedness Enhancement Commission. It was created to really out of a defense nature because of BRAC. And BRAC is base realignment and closure. And what happens with BRAC is when the military and Congress look at the budget and say, oh, we've got to reduce spending. And so they do their evaluations and they basically close a base somewhere. Now, we haven't had a BRAC for quite some time, but it used to be a little bit more normal as, as the military was being downsized. So then they uh, created this position of the military advocate in 2015. 
So it followed that commission. But the impact commission is it can be made up of 11 members, seven of which can be appointed by the governor and then confirmed by the Senate. Four of them are actually members of Missouri House and the Missouri Senate, two from the House, two from the Senate. So right now, currently, we have six members that are appointed by the governor and then the four from the Missouri House and Senate. So that's the commission. We meet on a quarterly basis. That way we have a methodology of staying on top of the initiatives, any concerns, and staying on top of a strategic plan that we review every quarter to see where we're scoring on what we're trying to accomplish. Between the the work that you're doing for the Office of Military Advocate and the work that happens kind of conjointly, it seems, with IMPACT, what is currently happening right now in the office that you guys are working on that you can share? There's always a lot going on, (laughs) but we have a number of priorities that we always work on for the budget, which is the National Defense Authorization Act, right, and appropriations for spending in Missouri. Right now, it's a little bit on hold because the budget process is going very slow right now out there in D.C. We're always advocating for not only our current, but also future missions, obviously at Whiteman Air Force Base and also and, and Fort Leonard Wood. Those are the two largest installations in the state of Missouri. We have another installation, once again, up there in, in St. Joseph, which is the 139th Airlift Wing. But those are the two largest. We have very significant interest over in St. Louis, which is the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Missouri is home of the second location. The first location is out in Virginia. They do a lot of classified stuff, so I'm, I'm not going to say much about them. But that's not really a, you know, a military installation per se, but it definitely has a great deal to do with the national defense, and we're delighted it's, it's in, in Missouri. And it's a constant advocacy, both at the state level and the federal level, for our, once again, installations, missions, and personnel in Missouri. Forgive me for seeming to ask the same question over and over again, because I, I feel like this is like a world I know so little about, and maybe a lot of listeners do as well. When you, when you say like you're doing advocacy in those three areas, what does that advocacy look like? Or is it kind of like lobbying? Um, is it like showcasing what no, we do in some it's, way? It's all educational. Mm-hmm. It's all educational. Advocacy is all educational. Now, we, we do work with consultants that I talk with weekly. Actually, I have a weekly meeting with our consultants. We have one consultant that's geared more towards Pentagon and another consultant group that's really geared towards the Hill. If there's any lobbying, they do the lobbying. Mine is wrapped around educating our congressional delegate staff, our congressional delegates, building relationships with the folks at the Pentagon and on the Hill. The big key when you're doing advocacy work is making sure that when you share information with them, that they know they can trust that information, right? So we have to stay on top of it. We have to go back and we have to make sure when we're talking to our leaders, whether it be at Fort Leonard Wood or it happens to be at Whiteman or it happens to be with the community group, such as the SOP, Sustainable Ozarks Partnerships, or the WALK, which is the Whiteman Area Leadership Council. We're in constant contact. There's lots of phone calls, lots of WebExes, things like that. And then we also do a tremendous amount of work with the Missouri Guard. So, you know, Missouri Guard, we have both uh, Army and Air. There's a lot of missions there. We want to make sure that we continue those. You think about Whiteman, 
We've got Air Guard there. We have Air Guard up in St. Joe. We have Army Guard at Whiteman. They fly the Blackhawks. We've got Army Guard down in Springfield, Missouri, which is the AVCRAD, which, to make that more simple, it is the repair and maintenance depot for all Guard helicopters in 13 states. All right, so we're servicing 13 states' worth of helicopters from the Guard side. There's only four of those in the United States. For our region, it's in Missouri. There's tremendous going on. We constantly have to be educating folks in D.C. as well as our folks here in Jeff Say. Yeah, something I want to go back to as well is when you were talking about when they, you know, the competition for these military installations, like you just said, there's only four of these repair kind of depots for the air wings, and we have one of them uh, here in Missouri. So we service, I think you said 13 13 uh, states. states. Uh, So that's got to be a a huge economic pull for that. When they close a, and we'll just, since Whiteman has been mentioned quite a few times already Mm -hmm. in the conversation, we'll just take Whiteman as the example Let's say they close Whiteman here in Missouri. Does it move like a business? Like, okay, we're closing Whiteman here. Now we're opening it in Nebraska or something. Well, it could. Let me back up there. Think about opening a location. There's hardly ever a location opened up. But if, let me put it how, how competitive it is. If Offutt Air Force Base up in Nebraska were to get another mission, it's coming from somewhere else. So that means some other state most likely is losing it unless they were condensing another location. When you think of the 131st at Whiteman, it used to be in St. Louis. But now, the book what they do is at Whiteman. They used to fly the F-15 in St. Louis. Now they fly the B-2 at Whiteman. So that mission changed, but they moved that unit across the state. Gotcha. Several years ago. In this environment that we're in, you don't gain a mission without another place losing it. And it might not be accurate to equate it to a business moving or a business, you know, expanding or whatever. But since that's kind of what we deal with in this podcast, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to find something to kind of like relate it to uh, what we normally talk about. I, I definitely, uh, here's how I'd relate it to this. Let's say you've, you've got a business in Missouri and, and they're also located in Georgia. And they turn around and say, you know what? Our headquarters is in Missouri, but we think we want to move that headquarters to Atlanta. That's what it's like. All of a sudden, boom, they're out of Missouri. They're in Atlanta. So very similar. And then are you working on or have some kind of advocacy for new bases? I think you said like there's not really new bases opening up, but if it did, would you be We're working for new missions. Mission. So when you say mission, what do you mean by mission? All right. The simplest way to explain that is the mission for the 442nd, all right, that's a reserve unit. It is located over at Whiteman. They fly the A-10s, right? The A-10 is a mission-specific type aircraft. It's low ground cover. It's not a, uh, a big bomber. It's got cannons on it. I, I like to call it the air tank. I mean, it's been called the Warthog, and they're an awesome aircraft. But it's part of the plan of the Air Force, and it's, I believe it's in the NDAA, last year's NDAA, that it's going to be retired in 2028. So it'll be a legacy aircraft. We won't have providing our defense anymore after that. Now that could change between now and then, right? Because sometimes it, things do change. But they've been trying to retire that aircraft, the Air Force has, for a number of years. And it's, you know, it's in effect. It's in a plan. So the question becomes, what's the next mission for the 442nd? We're working on that. Gotcha. Keep keep those guys employed. I mean, they wouldn't just 
not be in the military, but what their specific job title, you know, actually is. a lot of them may not be. If that mission goes away and there's not one to replace it, most of those people are probably just going to move on. And when a mission either comes or does not come to a, a Missouri military in, installation, how does that impact like the economic side of all that? If well, I couldn't really put a number to it, but it, it has great impact. You take, for instance, the 442nd. They have 1,300 people involved in that mission over there at Warrensburg. So that's tremendous. I mean, I, I haven't looked at what the total economic impact is of the 442nd, but 1,300 people, it's in the hundred millions. So a big impact to, Absolutely. to the economic. It's a huge impact. Yeah. Okay, so switching gears just, just mm-hmm. a little bit, we had talked a little bit about the Military Friendly Guide. I know that had been in the works for a while. You guys had just gotten it out. You know, has a lot of information for military on a number of, of topics. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to, to cover? With that? So I wanted was, to make sure, because it's a new thing. I want to make sure people are aware. I mean, it is new. It's a great tool, especially if you're new to Missouri. And you're in the military, it's a how-to guide on where to go for services, you know, like I'm saying, licensing, recreation. There's just a tremendous amount of information in there. It's our first publication of it. So recently put it out for review to take input saying, okay, we'll update this. We did a a very large government distribution and we received feedback. So now we're digesting all that, all those recommendations and we'll update it. We're going to try to make sure that we update this hopefully every two years. You know, a lot of this will not change. I mean, you know, a number to the licensing department in the state of Missouri is not going to change. The website's typically not going to change. I mean, it would be nice to update it annually, but there's a lot of work that goes into this. You figure they were working on this uh, guide for, I think, about three years before I came into this role. I came into this role in January of 22, and we released... The guide, I think it was September of last year. So it had been in works for quite some time, and then we got it we got it out the door last fall. Somebody's wanting to find the guide. How do they find it? They can actually go out to our website and locate it on there. And recently, the month of Military Child happened. Tell me a little bit about that. What happens uh, during this month for that? So the month of the Military Child, that's a very good recognition, for lack of a better term, topic. When we think about our military who are moving every couple of years, as a youngster with my dad working for the railroad and getting transferred, I understand the moving piece of it. And that can be very difficult. You're always making new friends. You're going to a new area. You know, that's one more thing that children have to deal with when their parents serve in the military. And then they also have to, unfortunately, see them deployed for you know months at a time. So they came up with recognizing the month of military child. When I met Colonel Deal, who is the wing commander over at the 509th, shortly after I came in this role, at one of my first impact meetings, he shared with me, he goes, hey, April's a big deal. It is the month of the military child. And I, I recognized right then and there that was something that was very important to him. And so we've embraced that quite a bit. Now, in trying to show that support and garner some enthusiasm for that and always trying to make Missouri the most military-friendly state in the nation. We wanted to recognize that. And so working with Superintendent Jared Wheeler, we were uh, discussing the month of military child, and I suggested having First Lady Teresa Parson come over for an event at 
Nam Noster School District, which is the top school district for the Air Force in the United States, by the way. And he was excited about it, and, and he called me back the next day, and he said, hey, I've got an idea. I've got some contacts, and I'd like to try to get Mrs. Brown out here and maybe do a joint event with the First Lady. Now, Mrs. Brown is the wife of Chief of Staff of the Air Force, General Brown. So that would be a big deal. And I said, hey, I, th- I think that's great. Checked with the First Lady staff. They are like super delighted with the idea. And so Dr. Wheeler went to, went to work on that. And it wasn't long until we were able to put, I mean, we started this in like January, but we were able to coordinate it. And so Mrs. Brown and First Lady Teresa Parson did a joint event at Knob School District, which is partially on the base over there. And it was, it was a wonderful event. It was great to have just that working together of both the Air Force and the state of Missouri. It was a great event and a lot of good feedback from that. So that's one of the things that we've done. It was We had it on our social media, and I think it caught quite a few views. And First Lady Teresa Parson just thought it was absolutely wonderful. She, she really enjoyed doing it. And she really also is very uh, supportive of the spouses in the military. She understands with the governor, how much time it takes for him to serve the state of Missouri. It's a huge requirement, both time and actually just, just the amount of work that goes into it. And so she's done a couple of things to support spouses of the military here in Missouri. I don't think that there's another state that really uh, embraces the military from both the governor and the first lady like they do. I mean, they, they really do, I think, put Missouri ahead of other states by far. What is on the horizon for MMA? I know you said that the work just kind of continues, uh, but is there anything specific coming up that you guys are going to be working on or getting prepared for? Once again, we've got to get that military guide updated, but we also have our impact commission meeting coming up. We're actually going to have that one at Fort Leonard Wood on the 20th of June. So there's a lot that goes into that, a lot of planning, a lot of detail. We were on the phone yesterday with protocol from Fort Leonard Wood just trying to line out the schedule and make sure things go off without any hitch. We have our partners there. I I call them partners, but our stakeholders, you know, folks that are interested around the state. Boeing is almost always there. Honeywell's there. Uh, You know, that's Kansas City. That's a big defense contractor, right? And we have, I would say, a very passionate group of folks that all contribute to national defense who show up at this meeting. We'll have the commission, and we'll probably have an additional 15 or 20 stakeholders there. Normally, the commission meeting has about uh, 30 to 35 folks there. We'll have representation from the Whiteman Area Leadership Council, representation probably from Community Alliance, as well as the SOP. There's a lot goes on. I have one question here that always Mm -hmm. wraps up all these episodes, but before I do that, I just want to open the floor to you. Is there... Anything about uh, MMA that we didn't cover? I know you said at the top we were just going to scratch the surface today, which I'm sure we only barely did. But is there anything that we didn't cover that you think people would want to know? I can tell you, even though our team is small, I've got in my office Keegan Evans, a bright young man who is very passionate about this work. Uh, I also have Chuck Gatchenberger who joined our office who works on connecting folks that are leaving the military and maybe looking for that next career through different programs and with employers around the state. But, you know, Keegan and I, we spend a lot of time on this. We travel to installations. Like I say, I go to D.C. a great deal. There's a lot that goes on, and, you know, if you've got any questions about it, we want you to reach out to us. You know, we try to return all, all calls as soon as we possibly can. 
you can email us. But probably the thing to say about the military advocate is not every state has one. It's good that we do. It helps us be competitive. It helps protect our interests here in the state for, once again, I keep coming back to it, installations, missions, and personnel. And I would say that the next one that will follow me, because it's a six-year it's a six-year appointment, they're going to be most likely facing the same challenges we're facing today. They may look a little different. There may be a different aircraft involved. There may, but, but it, it will continue because if you go back and look at history on where the states have grown in the military sector, you could go back and look in the, I would say it was in probably the 40s, 50s, and 60s, Texas just mushroomed in the defense industry. I mean, just totally mushroomed. And they're huge. But there's, they still want to get bigger, and it's very competitive. So the MMA will continue to be needed for years on down the line. Sometimes it may not seem really exciting, the work we do, but I can guarantee you for us it is. And we feel it's very beneficial to the state of Missouri and to the defense of this nation. Before I get to our last question, just one uh, thought that I had. When I was a kid, there were two aircraft that I thought were the coolest, the SR-71 and then the A-10. So to hear that the A-10 Warthog is going to be, you know, shelved or mothballed or whatever the term is, and I think you said 2028 somewhere? 2028. Oh, that's that's sad because that, that's such a cool aircraft, and I always liked seeing it, like when you go to an air show and the, the paint job that they put on it and stuff. So I don't know. I just, I just wanted to say that. So Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, they, they've been trying to retire that aircraft for quite some time. But, you know, it's still a great aircraft. It really is. Really cool aircraft. Sad to hear that it's going to be decommissioned. Anyway, so last question here as we wrap up. Mm -hmm. As you know, the department's motto is helping Missourians prosper. Mm -hmm. So how does the work of the Missouri Military Advocate and the work that you do in relation to that, how does that help fulfill that motto? I think we could probably go back to what I was talking about earlier, and that is defense spending in the state of Missouri is over $12 billion dollars. I think that has a great economic impact to the state of Missouri. You know, and ultimately, when you think about what we are doing, like I talked about defense contractors and things like that, and then also employers helping ease that licensing burden. So what we do extends beyond what you'll see on the basis of those installations, right? Because we're helping make life better for them, helping them be able to get to work easier, uh, or be able to, to get that job easier, I, might, I guess you might say, because if, if licensing is, if that barrier is out of the way, then that's helping the economy. I mean, everything we can do to help with the quality of life for our personnel, it's going to improve the participation in Missouri, right? They're going to want to come to Missouri because you do put in for missions, right? You, you put into where you want to be, want to be assigned. Doesn't mean you're going to get it. If we continue to be even more friendly to the military in the state of Missouri. We're going to attract people. And then when you think about the fact, hey, okay, I'm retiring. I've put in 25 years in the military. I'm, I'm going to retire. Where do I want to live? Well, we want to keep them in Missouri. They're great citizens. They have an income. They've got a retirement. Uh, we, we'd love to keep them in Missouri. Our reach goes beyond those installations. But when you do that, if, if you're growing that population with retirees, you're definitely helping the economy of, of Missouri. So there's probably more tangents I could go into. When the legislation created this position, they actually could have put it in a number of places. They chose to put it in 
in economic development. Everything we do plays an impact in the economy of Missouri. Absolutely. Uh, Harry, thank you for taking the time to sit down and, and give us all this great information. I know it's super busy, so we appreciate it. Once again, delighted to be here. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Eco Devo. We have great episodes coming your way every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe. Also, we want to hear from you, our listeners. Tell us what economic development topics you want to hear more about. This helps us fulfill our motto of helping Missourians prosper by bringing content to our listeners that they want to hear. Leave a comment on an episode or send an email to ded.communications at ded.mo.gov and stay tuned for more Inside EcoDevo.